Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Pilgrim's Journey. We're continuing on uh, following, almost chasing, uh, Christian, as John Bunyan tells the story of Christians uh, on his pilgrim's journey. Our current chapter, I'm going to divide it in two parts. It's the conversation with the interpreter, or Christian is instructed at the house of the interpreter. What I'm going to do is a little bit different because, as you will see, I'm going to give it away a little bit of where we're going, uh, but the interpreter is going to show different pictures and explain it, and what I'll do after every picture, I'll talk about it a little bit, and then we'll move on. Okay, you ready? Can, let's go. Then he went on till he came to the house of the interpreter where he knocked at the entrance over and over again. Right, it's this again, this picture of perseverance. At last, someone came to the door and asked, Who is there? Christian said, Sir, I am a traveler who has been advised by an acquaintance of the good man of this house to call here for my benefit. Therefore, I would like to speak with the master of this house. So the man at the door called for the master of the house, who soon came to Christian and asked him what was the reason for his visit. Sir, I'm a man who has come from the city of destruction, and am on my way to Mount Zion. I was told by one goodwill at the wicked gate, being the commencement of this narrow way, that if I called here, you would show me excellent things that would be a help to me in my journey. By all means, come in. And I will certainly show you the things that you will find beneficial. So he commanded his helper to light the candle and then invited Christian to follow him. The first picture. Now interpreter led the pilgrim into a private room. And there he ordered his helper to open a door. Then did Christian see the picture of a very grave, that's a very serious or important person, hanging against the wall. And his features, or the way he looked, were as follows. This man had his eyes lifted up toward heaven, the best of books in his hand. The law of truth was written upon his lips. The word was behind his back. He stood as if he pleaded with men, and a crown of gold hung over his head. Christian, what then does this mean? Interpreter, the man in the picture which you see is one in a thousand who can beget children or give birth or bring children forth, travail at the birth of children and nurse, him, uh, nurse them himself when they are born. And just as you see him with his eyes looking upward to heaven, the best of book in his hands and the law of truth written on his lips, this is to show you that his work is to know and unfold dark things to sinners. Furthermore, you see, as, just as you see him stand, as if he pleaded with man, and also you notice that the world is cast behind him, and that a crown hangs over his head. This is to show you that in, in slighting and despising the things of the present, on account of his love and devotion to this master's service, he is sure to have glory for his reward in the world to come. Now I have showed you this picture first, because the man who it, uh, who it portrays is the only man who the Lord of the celestial city has authority to be your guide in all of the different situations that you may encounter along the way. Therefore, pay attention to what I have showed you, and carefully weigh in your mind what you have seen last. Lest in your journey you meet with some that pretend to lead you along the right path, 
while in reality, their way leads to death. Now, this is the first picture that we see the interpreter interpret. And as as the picture is shown, it's a man with the word of God in his hand, the, the book of books and the world behind him. And he desires to lead pilgrims on their way. Uh, the picture is those of uh, the picture of a of a pastor uh, or an elder or a, a man who brings you along and points you to the way of Christ. Um, and it's it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's, that's the way that a pastor is supposed to be a pastor with the world behind him, not caring for these temporary things, but only one desire to plead with men to tell you and everyone else to, to turn away from the things of destruction that lead you to the city of destruction and to turn you uh, towards Christ, um, towards heaven. Uh, and that's the picture of the man that God calls uh, from among men to be guides and uh, to be shepherds, to point people to that celestial city. Uh, and it's important because in this world, uh, you might be younger or older, uh, you have many other voices that seek to distract you in a different way. But you must find those people who have the world behind them that care not for the world, but that plead with you because they want to see you come to Jesus uh, in heaven. Let's look at the second picture. This one is a distinction between the law and the gospel. Then Christian was taken by the hand and led into a very large living room that was full of dust, having never been swept. Now, after he had observed this scene for a little while, interpreter called for a man to commence sweeping. As a result, can you guess what happened? The dust began to fly about so overwhelmingly that Christian nearly choked to death. Interpreter immediately spoke to a gracious lady standing nearby. Bring some water here and sprinkle this room. The lady having done this, the parlor or living room was then easily swept and cleansed. Christian, what does this mean? Interpreter, this parlor is the heart of a man who has never been sanctified, justified and regenerated by the sweet grace of the gospel. The dust is his original sin, an inward corruptions that have thoroughly defiled the whole man. And he who first began to sweep is the law. But the gracious lady who brought water and sprinkled the room is the gospel. Now, to begin what you saw, that as soon as the man commands sweeping, the dust immediately swirled about the room so that it became even more difficult to cleanse, and you were nearly choked to death. This is to show you that the law, instead of its effective cleansing the heart from sin, does in fact arouse, give greater strength to, and cause sin to flourish in the soul. And this result is in spite of the fact that the law both uncovers and condemns sin, yet it does not have the power to subdue sin. Furthermore, as you saw the gracious lady sprinkle the room with water, at which it was very easily cleansed. This is to show you that the gospel comes with its sweet and precious influences, so as to indwell and purify the heart. Then just as you saw the lady settle the dust by sprinkling the floor with water, so is sin vanquished and subdued, and the heart made clean through the faith of that soul. As a consequence, the same soul is then made a suitable place for the king of glory to inhabit. Well, there we have the second picture. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's, we can all imagine it. It's a room, a living room full of dust, right? It's a thick layer of three inches of dust. It hasn't been cleansed for a long time. 
That's the picture of the heart. Before we come to Christ, we have a lot of sin. We have an unclean heart that desires unclean things. And then first the law gets its way and it begins to sweep, right? When you read the law, it says, do not murder, do not steal, do not lie, uh, do not uh, commit adultery, do not covet, uh, worship the Lord your God with all your heart, right? So you have all these commands that begin to sweep your heart. Does it get any better? When you try to cleanse your own heart by reading the law, all that happens is it becomes overwhelming, right? It chokes you. You don't have the ability to do and walk in the ways of God. And so the law shows you how bad a sinner you really are. What we need is that lady to come, that gracious lady, right? That's a play on words, of course, by, by John Bunyan. The, that's a picture of grace. When the grace of the gospel waters the dust, then you can sweep it away and it can be cleansed. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Right? When the grace of God enters our heart, it's not by the law of trying to make us holy, but the grace of God changes and transforms the heart and cleanses us within. I'm going to give you one more picture and then the next will. The, the other pictures we will keep for the next video. <clears throat> this one is the virtue of patience contrasted with passion. Moreover, I, Bunyan the narrator, saw in my dream that interpreted again to Christian by the hand and led him into a very small room in which there sat two little children, each one on his chair. The name of the elder or older one was Passion and the other Patience. Passion seemed to be very discontented, while patient remained calm and quiet. Then Christian asked, What is the reason for passion's unrest? Interpreter replied, The governor of these children would have him wait for the best things that are to be bestowed at the beginning of the next year. But he wants to have his inheritance now, while patience is quite willing to wait. Then I saw a person come to passion and bring him a bag of treasure, that was immediately poured at his feet. At this the elder child rejoiced, and at the same time scornfully laughed at patience. However, I noticed that very soon Passion's wealth was wasted away through indulgence, with the result that he found himself left with nothing but rags. Indulgence means that you, you try to get everything to yourself as much and quickly as you can. Christian said, Explain this matter to me more fully. Interpreter, these two lads are figures or portrayals. A passion represents the man of this world, while patience stands for those men who are prepared to wait for that which is to come. So passion must have all of his inheritance right now, this very year, which is this present world. So are the men of this world. They insist on having all their good things now and cannot possibly wait till next year, which is the world to come for lasting treasure. That proverb, a bird in the hand is worth more, is worth two in the bush, is of more authority with them than all of the divine testimonies of the good things promised in the world to come. But as you saw, passion quickly wasted away all that he had, so that he ended up having nothing but rags. And so it will be with all men, uh, with, alike with all men of this age. Christian, now I see that patience has superior wisdom. And that for several reasons, because he's willing to wait for the best things, and also because the glory of his inheritance will last when that of passion has long been reduced to rags. Interpreter, no, not two reasons, for you may add a third reason as well. 
It is that the glory of the next world will never wear out while the good things of the present decay and then suddenly are gone. Therefore, passion did not have a very good reason for laughing at patience, even if he did have his good things first. The reality is that patience will have the last laugh because he eventually receives the best things that will last eternally. For he who is first must yield to that to he who is last, because the last must have his time in the future, while the first must make way for nothing because his good things vanish. Therefore, he who has his inheritance first uses and spends it in time, but he who receives his portion last has it for all eternity. Therefore it is said of the rich man, In your life you received your good things, and likewise of Lazarus the beggar received evil things. But now Lazarus is comforted, and you are tormented, Christian. Then I understand that it is not good to cover things that are now, but to wait for the best things that are to come. Interpreter, you certainly speak the truth. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. However, though this be so, yet since present things and our fleshly desires are such close neighbors, one next to the other, and again because things to come and our carnal appetite are such strangers, so opposed to one another, Therefore, it is that the first of these present things and fleshly desires so quickly establish friendship, and that the distant maintained between the second, eternal, and eternal things. Well, there's the uh, third picture of interpreter, uh, and it's a picture of two boys, right? Patience and passion. And passion represents uh, the unbeliever in this world who tries to get his best life now, and tries to gain everything in this world at this present age. And so when he gets it, when he keeps begging for it, he wants it now and not in the future. What ends up is he takes it all and then he has nothing for all eternity. But patience, those who patiently, and may I add, in hope, wait for better things. They do not have much now. Uh, they do not live for the things of this world now because they know that the promise is for them that in eternity they will be heirs and fellow heirs with Christ of all the good things of God. And so as you set yourself on your journey to Christ and your journey with God to heaven, uh, following the words of God, remember that it's not about what you have in this life, but that God has promised that we are filled with spiritual blessings now and in eternity will receive the fullness of the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ. Well, thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in on today's episode of The Pilgrim's Well. For more, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and find us on YouTube at Pilgrim's Well. To find this church online, go to seventhref.org.